Brooklyn's Radio Health Talk, looking at health and social care with Fatima Kamara. Hello, thank you for tuning in. My name is Fatima Kamara, your health and social care expert and your health talk show host. For this show, we tend to talk about anything health and social care related. We also tend to talk to health and social care professionals in raising awareness about health and social care related issues or health conditions, but also how to manage them and where help and advice can be sought. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Brooklyn's Radio. For any questions or feedback that you have with regards to the show, please feel free to email healthtalkshow at brooklandsradio.co.uk. On the show today, we're going to be talking about diabetes care and update. But in the meantime, let us go straight to the health news. We're looking at a report published by Plus One Journal. Basically, the report looked at indulgent grandparents and how they're bad for children's health. So indulgent grandparents may be having an adverse impact on their grandchildren's health, says researchers from the University of Glasgow, suggest that grandparents are often inclined to treat and overfeed children. The study also found some were smoking in front of their grandchildren and not giving them sufficient exercise. The researchers looked at 56 studies with data from 18 countries, including the UK, US, China and Japan. The report focused on the potential influence of grandparents who were significant but not primary caregivers in a child's early years. The review considered three key areas of influence which are diet and weight, physical activity and smoking. To get in touch with your health and social care questions, email healthtalk at brooklandsradio.co.uk Hello, hi, um, thank you for tuning in to Brooklyn's Radio. My name is Fatima Kamara, your health talk show host. You can follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Brooklyn's Radio. Today we're going to be talking about World Diabetes Day on the 14th of November every year is World Diabetes Day. World Diabetes Day basically is an awareness campaign reaching a global audience of over 1 billion people in more than 160 countries. The campaign draws attention to issues of paramount importance to the diabetes world and keeps diabetes firmly in the public and political spotlight. Why the 14th of November, you may ask? This is basically because the date marks the birthday of the insulin co-discoverer, Dr. Frederick Banton, who discovered it way back in 1921. Before the discovery of insulin, diabetes was doomed, basically, because even on a strict diet, it would last not more than three to four years to manage. And also there was no sort of hope or light for someone who was diagnosed with diabetes. In celebration of World Diabetes Day this year, theme has been women and diabetes but for every year there's a specific theme to look at various issues with regards to diabetes. Today on the show I have with me Matt Hopkins. Matt is Improving Care Manager for Diabetes UK South East. Thank you so much Matt for coming to talk to me. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Matt to start off with if someone was listening to us now because of World Diabetes Day which was on the 14th of November but also with regards to what we're talking about today diabetes care and update what is diabetes? So diabetes is quite a broad spectrum. It generally means someone who has high blood glucose levels, but there's a variety of different types of diabetes. 
So there's type 1 diabetes, which is where the person's body has kind of attacked their pancreas cells that produce the insulin. So they can't produce any insulin, which means the blood glucose or the glucose in the blood can't then move into the cells to be used up. So the levels in the blood increases quite a lot. Then there's type 2, which is where the body's still producing insulin, but it just can't use it quite as effectively. So the glucose kind of builds up, but it's kind of a bit more gradual. Uh, and then there's kind of some kind of less kind of well-known types. So something called MODI, which is maturity onset diabetes of the young. And there's also something called gestational diabetes, which affects women in pregnancy as well. But it generally passes once they've given birth. Thank you so much for that. Matt, you did mention about the various types of diabetes. What I was going to kind of explore a little bit is if someone started off with, say, for example, type 2 diabetes, is there a sort of likelihood for them to progress to type 1 or vice versa from type 1, which I think starts very early on in life or in, with, with someone being diagnosed, um, would they kind of step down from type 1 to type No, so they're two completely separate conditions. So if you've got type 1, you're always going to have type 1. And if you've got type 2, you'll have type 2. There's there's no kind of crossover. Some people might be misdiagnosed if they're older with type 2, but they've actually got type 1. But they are two completely separate conditions, so you can't move from one to the other. Okay, thank you for clarifying that for our listeners as well, because sometimes maybe there might be a notion where people might think, well, if I've got type 2 transmission or into or transgression even into type 1, or is type 1 going to be type 2? So thank you for clarifying that for us. The other thing I was going to ask as well is that what are the signs and symptoms for someone who's got type 1 or who hasn't been diagnosed, for example, with diabetes? What are the signs and symptoms for someone presenting with type 1 or type 2 diabetes? For people with type 1, uh, there's four very key symptoms, uh, which is linked to having high glucose in the blood. So we call them the 40s. So that's going to the toilet a lot, so passing urine, uh, because your body's trying to get the glucose out of the system. There's thirst, so people feel like, really thirsty and drinking liters and liters of water uh there's feeling tired a lot because your body isn't getting the glucose it's just staying in the blood it's not going through to your muscles to use up so you'll be feeling tired a lot and there's losing rapid amounts of weight kind of really quickly so you might see within a couple of weeks dropping lots of pounds without trying to so they're the four key symptoms of type one and they'll come on very quickly uh, so within a couple of weeks you'll um, experience them and it's really important to get access to care really quickly so that uh, you can get treated and put on a treatment regime very quickly otherwise there's some serious complications that can arise uh, without getting access to treatment quickly for people with type 2 they may not see the symptoms as clearly um, as with type 1 they're kind of still the same sort of uh, symptoms but because they're still producing the insulin and their body is still getting glucose, it kind of takes a longer time for them to realise. And we know there's thousands of people who are living with type 2 diabetes who aren't yet diagnosed, so they might not be feeling the effects of diabetes, uh, but it will still be kind of causing the damage that might 
cause long-term complications. So it's important that if people are worried that they have uh, type 2 diabetes, that they do again seek support. Thank you so much. I was going to ask, uh, my next question to you would be, you mentioned about there's quite a lot of people living with diabetes who might not know about it or who haven't been diagnosed. Do you have a sort of rough estimate, you know, in terms of how many people are currently living with diabetes but not fully aware that they do have it? Across the UK, we estimate that four and a half million people have diabetes. So that's both type 1 and type 2. And generally, 90% of those people have type 2 diabetes. But we estimate about a million people might be living with type 2 diabetes but haven't been diagnosed with it yet. So that's quite a significant number of people. That is quite a huge number, really quite a huge number. Which leads me to ask, is there any sort of trigger factors? So you mentioned, we talked about the signs and symptoms for type 1 and type 2. Are there any sort of trigger factors? So anything that someone, you mentioned about the four T's as well, which is quite good. First, um, using the toilet often and the other two things that you mentioned about as well. But I think, is there any sort of trigger factors in terms of what people need to be aware of. If if we're talking to, say, the one million undiagnosed um, with diabetes, what are the trigger factors or what should they look out for? Mm -hmm. So there's a number of kind of factors that affect whether people develop type 2 diabetes. Some uh, people can do something about it and some kind of it's just what you're born with. So ethnicity, people from kind of black African or South Asian communities are more likely to develop type 2 diabetes as you get older, you're more likely to develop it. And also, if you've got a family history of diabetes, you're more likely to develop type 2 diabetes. But we also know that kind of weight and obesity play a part. So that's something that people can kind of change their lifestyle to try and reduce their risk. So kind of eating a more balanced diet and doing more exercise can help reduce people's risk. But on our website, we have a Know Your Risk tool where people can go on in a short questionnaire and it comes back with kind of their risk level of developing type 2 diabetes and then provides advice on either reducing their risk or whether they should seek uh, medical support to look at it further. Thank you very much for that. Thank you, Matt. Now, you mentioned about sort of the various factors that can actually predispose someone of having diabetes. But if someone was listening and they think, well, what you've mentioned doesn't apply to me, other than the ones that you've mentioned, are there any other things or people that people need to, be, well, things that people need to be made aware of in terms of who gets diabetes and also how is it treated? How would it be treated if someone had type 2 or type 1? You know, how is it treated and who gets diabetes? Type 1 people can be diagnosed quite young, so it's often in childhood, but also people can be diagnosed through adulthood and at any age. And so all people with type 1 diabetes will be treated with insulin. So they will need to inject themselves a number of times a day with insulin to replace what the body isn't producing. And they can treat that in a number of ways. So some people use insulin pens, some people use pumps to kind of give a continuous flow of insulin into their body. So they're the ways you treat type 1 diabetes. A type 2 It can be a number of different ways. So some people can treat it with just diet and exercise, trying to lose a bit of weight. Other people be on medication to kind of change how their body's working with insulin and their glucose. Uh, And then sometimes you can be put onto insulin if you've got type 2 diabetes as well. 
Sorry, comprehensive. Thank you. What I would like to stress is that having diabetes is not a death sentence. It's termed as a long-term condition that people can live with healthily, but also can be able to manage quite well. So if someone had diabetes and they were listening or have a family member or think potentially they might have um, diabetes or have symptoms or signs of um, presenting with diabetes, it's not a death sentence. It's a long-term condition that needs to be managed well, but also that people can live with quite well if, if controlled. If, if someone was worried or concerned that they or their family member might have diabetes or have a family history of diabetes, what do you think, what would you advise them to do? What do they need to do? Good to make clear that diabetes is a serious condition, but as you said, you can absolutely live with it if it's managed well. I mean, our advice to people is to kind of speak to the healthcare professional, get a plan in place to how they're going to look after their diabetes. So there's a number of things people should be getting each year. So we call them the 15 healthcare essentials. So people should be getting their kind of blood glucose levels checked. It's a test called HbA1c, which basically looks back at your three-month past. And it's a simple blood test that looks at how your blood glucose levels are faring. But you should also be looking at your blood pressure, cholesterol levels, getting your feet checked. So one of the major complications of diabetes can be amputations of your feet um, because your kind of vessels in your feet kind of aren't getting the flow of blood um, and it affects how they kind of repair. About 7,000 amputations each year uh, due to diabetes. So ensuring that people are looking after their feet healthcare professional spotting where anything might be an issue and getting kind of full support to look after that when they when they notice something might be wrong with their feet. Thank you. I think that is very clear in itself. We have to ensure that if you're diagnosed with diabetes or if someone has diabetes or has a potential of having diabetes, there's help out there, there's care, but also they need to be very responsible in managing their care. The healthcare professionals can do as much as they can, but they have to take that responsibility because one of the things you mentioned about was amputation as well, because as, as, as I know it, that sort of derives from either bad management or lack of management of one's diabetes and also not kind of dealing with the issues that have been identified in terms of their diabetes plan with their healthcare professionals. So what I would want to say is that we wouldn't want people to get to that point, which is why we're doing a show like this to kind of raise awareness and talk about the, you know, the plus and minuses of diabetes care, but having diabetes or just raising awareness about diabetes as a whole. You mentioned as well that diabetes is is quite a serious condition. It's not a death sentence. What do you think also are the other problems that can Someone who has diabetes, if they're listening to us, what are the other complications that can also, from, from not managing you, you know, your diabetes properly, what are the other complications that can actually cause problems within that individual or health problems? Yeah, diabetes can cause kind of heart disease, heart attacks, strokes. Kind of, it can affect people's kind of mental health and emotional health, just the kind of difficulty of looking after your diabetes the whole time. And ultimately, it can lead to early deaths. But I think it's important to make clear that diabetes is a long-term condition and it's kind of a team effort, really, Mm -hmm. between the person with diabetes, their family, their friends and their healthcare professional team. Mm -hmm. So making sure everyone's kind of on board and, and providing that support is really important. 
So as we said, lots of people kind of end up with amputations, but we know that is preventable with the right care in place and the right information for the person with diabetes to look after themselves. We still hear from people who don't realise that amputations is a risk factor of diabetes, that they don't quite realise the seriousness of having diabetes. So it's really important that people have the education and information to be able to look after themselves uh, to prevent those conditions deteriorating. For this year, the theme for World Diabetes Day was women and diabetes. I know from a report that Diabetes UK did that you did kind of concentrate on the theme for this year, which is, like I said, women and diabetes. You kind of came in from a different standpoint and you did a report looking at the future of diabetes. Can you shed some light about the report and what that report kind of showed and if there's anything that we can take out of it as well to inform us? Yeah, so for the last about year, we've kind of been going around the country speaking to people with diabetes to find out what they are experiencing now, what the issues they face, both in terms of their care, but, but also how it affects their general life. Getting an idea of what they want for the future as well, what they hope will change in the next kind of 20, 30 years. So we spoke with over 9,000 people to get their views and six key kind of themes came out of those conversations. So the first was kind of needing more support for emotional and psychological health. So three out of the five people we spoke to have said that diabetes affects their emotional or psychological health. 90% don't feel in full control of their own diabetes. Uh, People want access to new technologies and new treatments that are coming onto the market. So there's been lots of investment by companies into different ways to manage diabetes. So if that's through insulin pumps... Um, so people don't need to kind of do the injections or kind of continuous glucose monitoring or something called flash monitoring. Mm-hmm. So rather than have pe- having to prick your fingers to test your blood glucose levels, it's kind of a patch on your arm that you can kind of get information from without needing to do injections all the time. I want to meet uh, healthcare professionals with more knowledge about diabetes. So we know that there's quite a few professionals particularly in primary care who sort of don't know a huge amount about diabetes and that can be frustrating when people are kind of having to educate their own healthcare professional about diabetes. More access to information and education so they can look after their diabetes. I think one of the stats we use is uh, someone with diabetes spends about three hours a year with a healthcare professional, 8,700 hours a year looking after themselves. So it's really important that they have that knowledge to, to be able to look after mm-hmm. themselves. And then the other thing that came up is just more support at work and at schools. So I think there's still a stigma attached to diabetes, and particularly type 2 diabetes. People might feel blamed for having the condition. So really need to overcome that and ensure people feel comfortable talking about diabetes and are getting the support they need at kind of work, at school or in their kind of social lives as well. That was really good. That's it's quite broad, mm. isn't it? Because I think normally sometimes some research or uh, reports just kind of stick to certain areas, identified areas. But this is quite good. That it's quite, you know, it's like a blanket sort of um, research that you mm. did just to find out from people who are faced with diabetes what is they want, what is it that they want, but also feedback from the the care that they're getting. And it's quite, um, I think, listening to that, it's quite good that technology is also kind of 
keeping up the pace with diabetes as well because when you've got to inject yourself and check your blood blood sugar levels all the time that is not sometimes can be the easiest to do especially if, if it's someone who hasn't had type 1 diabetes and just been diagnosed with type 2 so I think that's quite good and be really interesting to find out how that sort of the information that you've got from the, the report, how that would be used to inform sort of people who are the decision makers and things like that as well. Now, I know you're from Diabetes UK, Matt. What is Diabetes UK? What services and support that do they offer? And what, what are you, what, what as an organisation, what are you about? So Diabetes UK is kind of the leading charity in the UK, kind of caring for people with diabetes so we're kind of a source of lots of information so we've got a website with a huge amount of information where people can find out about diabetes about living with diabetes about what the risk factors are as i said before we've got the know your risk tool where people can find out kind of their own risk of developing type 2 diabetes produce lots of leaflets and kind of source of information where people can kind of just read up uh, we also have a, a helpline and an advocacy service. So for people who just want to speak to someone, get a bit of support over the phone, we've got a kind of trained professionals who can kind of answer those sort of questions and an advocacy service so where individuals are facing difficulties, whether that's accessing the right care or having difficulties at work, they can get support to kind of challenge those decisions through our advocacy support. We also have some kind of education courses online so people can kind of go through those modules and find out more about uh, what type 2 diabetes is um, and how they can kind of look after themselves so we do lots of stuff for people living with diabetes but we also do lots of support for uh, healthcare professionals so making sure they have all the information they need to treat people with diabetes as well uh, and then we also fund lots of research so i think we fund about seven million pounds a year of research into kind of faster areas of diabetes whether that's looking for cures or looking for better ways of treating people very good that's really good and i know diabetes uk has been around for quite a while and you are the improving care manager for the southeast now tell me matt what does that entail what does your role entail what does that mean i work so across the southeast going out to healthcare professionals and the decision makers so they're called the clinical commissioning groups they're the organisations who control the NHS funding locally. So I help them to kind of plan their diabetes services and basically make sure people are getting the right care they need. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, um, Matt. Now, um, diabetes education is an essential part of good blood sugar control and avoiding long-term health complications. For each individual, there's a vast amount of condition-specific information necessary for successful diabetes management People with diabetes need to know what to do if something goes wrong, how to adjust their diet, exercise, lifestyle, medication or insulin. So if there's one thing in closing that you would want um, our listeners to know about diabetes or take away from our discussion, what would that be, Matt? I think the key thing is if, if you're worried that you or a family member or friend has diabetes or you know, type 1 or type 2, is to try and get support uh, as quickly as possible. So if that's looking at the 40s and seeing if you've got any of those symptoms, but just speak to a healthcare professional or ring our helpline to just talk it through. Thank you. And the details for your website? 
What will that be? Uh, so it is www.diabetes.org.uk. And the helpline number, you mentioned about having a helpline number as well. Yes, 0345 Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you so much for coming in to speak to me. I do appreciate your input. Thank you very much and keep doing the great work that you're doing for Diabetes UK. Thank you for listening in. Until next time, my name is Fatima Kamara, your health and social care expert and your health talk show host. Thank you. You're listening to Health Talk with Fatima Kamara on Brooklyn's Radio. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not keep up to date with the sound of Surrey by listening live at brooklandsradio.co.uk or through our free mobile app.